0: Are we all okay? We thank God for today. I want to thank God for this opportunity and privilege again to stand before the church. You may not be seeing me. I'm seated, but I am grateful that God has given us the opportunity to share his word again on this day. I would like us to to share on a subject that probably is quite relevant to us now in this Time of uh, online. Uh, okay. Uh, now, the major thing that I want us to look at is uh, our relationship with God. And I've, I've titled the message for today to be with him. To be with him. Uh, those of us who are in the teaching profession today will have interesting stories to share with people regarding their experience in the class, especially in view of the online programs that are going on now. Um, Some few years ago, or decades, it looked like it was uh, a fantasy story to imagine that you'd be discussing with somebody and uh, imagine that uh, you are seeing the image of that person as you talk. In fact, the first time I heard about it was when President Reagan was reported to have uh, had a video conference with the the then president of Russia, USSR, Gorbachev. And it it bothered me to imagine that somebody was looking at the other on the screen as they were talking. It never made sense to me, but I said, "Okay." it passed on, but now today we are here and all of us are having that experience. Now, my personal experience in this exercise of online teaching has been a bit disturbing because probably I'm of old school, I believe in looking at somebody's face as he's talking to you and sitting before a teacher so that uh, I draw the conclusion learning is taking place. All the same, we find ourselves in this situation. One of the experiences that has, uh, I came to learn along as we were engaging ourselves in these online classes was that uh, it is very easy for the learner to disengage the teacher from the teacher during the class One of the funny examples I had, for quite a number of lessons, I, it, I didn't understand why the students were switching off the, the cameras, but I tried to justify it. I said, okay, the traditions in this place, is that you don't, it's not right for somebody to look at somebody's hair, especially the female uh, folk. So whenever the girl students said they cannot switch off the camera, I never pushed hard to know why. I just said, okay, next time if you're in a position, turn it on. But then I realized even the boys also were turning off their cameras. Now I started wondering what what is happening. But it didn't take me long to discover the reason or what was happening. Because at one time, I opened up a jamboard and opened several frames. A jamboard, I'm not sure whether all of us, I I, I think we we are familiar. It's like uh, several pages of a book you have opened. And so I wrote the names of each student on each frame. And I said, the questions I asked, I want you to write them because I wanted them to be active during the learning. Otherwise, I would be calling the names and nobody was responding. And uh, I would feel very discouraged. So I said, OK, you will be writing your name. So Omar, frame one, uh, Hanin, frame two, uh, Gaida, frame three, Mohammed, frame four, and so on. And When I gave the questions. I was visiting each frame because we were sharing it as a class. And I noted, you would find in frame one, somebody's writing, frame two, somebody's writing something. Then you find some frames, no activities going on. So I thought probably the problems were a challenge to the students. So I would go back to those frames again and ask, Mohammed, I haven't seen you write anything. Can you please write? If you're having challenges, raise them up now so that we can, we can try to assist you. And it would take about uh, five, seven minutes, no response. So I discovered these guys, they would just switch off the camera and give me the impression they are present, but they have gone to do their own activities elsewhere. And so this was a an and eye opener for me because previously I assumed they don't know, so I'll just ask the question and then the others answer. And you'll find one dominant or two dominant students answering all the questions. So sometimes you can be impressed that uh, thing, learning is going on when actually you are only teaching two people in that classroom. Then I discovered what it means to be a broadcaster because you go in the studio, you start talking on the radio you assume people are listening to you. And yet there are thousands and thousands of radio stations uh, to which other people could have tuned. And maybe nobody has tuned to your station. And you continue laughing and chatting and uh, imagining that people are engaging with you. But thank God for the FM radios, because now they have live call. So that way they know whether people are engaged or they're just throwing, uh, sending their transmissions and nobody is receiving at all. So why am I telling you this long story? It is because the students are not engaged with the teacher. If we are not engaged with God, he has got many good things that he's releasing to us. But if we are not engaged, those things are going to waste. Only the few who are eager to receive them begin to benefit from whatever our God is releasing to us. Just like the teacher can teach online, imagining that he has 20 students, when in the real fact he has only two students, or probably three, who are actually engaging with him. That is why I said, "Let's, let's also look at the scripture and see what it means to be with God to be engaged with God Genesis 5:24 Genesis 5:24 is a story that we know very well it's about Enoch Genesis 5:24 The Bible says Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him Enoch walked with God, and he was not, and God took him." Now, this particular verse, we are all familiar with, but I don't know how many of us have paid attention to the verse 23, verse 23, verse 23 says, and all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Did you take note of that number? 365 years. Now remove the word years. 365. Does it make sense to us? Quickly, we realize that uh, in a year, we have about that number of days, 365 days that make up a year. So while I was reflecting over this, I began to realize God wants us to walk with him, to be in his presence for 365 days a year. Enoch lived for that number of years. The Bible says Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's the result of walking with God, being in God's presence. Being in God's presence is an important thing for each one of us because there are many benefits from it. There are many benefits from it. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, verse five, Bible says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. It tells us one thing, that this man was always in the presence of God. He worked with God, and therefore, the aspect of pleasing God came out naturally. It was a natural occurrence in his life to please God in everything that he did. And for that reason, the more he worked with God, the more he pleased him, the more they fused one into the other until it came to a time that God said, this is real my image. Let him dwell where I dwell and he took him away. I hope by the end of our sharing, you will be challenged in your life. To understand, to understand that God desires, and that has been his plan from the very beginning, to always be present in your life because his presence begins to affect your life and those you interact with. Another person that, of interest that we can look at before we continue looking at other, Aspects of this sharing today you can look at uh, Elijah. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, and parted both asunder. And Elijah went up by a wild wind into heaven. Now we know this: the background to this story. Elisha has been called, and Elisha can discern in his spirit something is about to happen in the life of this man of God. Something unique is about to happen, but I want to be a witness to whatever is going to happen in his life. Because if I am a witness, I am bound, my life is bound to be changed. So he stuck with Elijah so much, but up until this time, they only knew that this man was a servant of God. But the understanding that Elijah had discovered something about being in the presence of God was remote in their mind. It is until this point that it occurs to him, to Elijah, that indeed there has been a unique relationship between Elijah and God. Whatever has happened, it separated me from him. It separated me from him we were not the same. We believed in the same God, but there was something unique about him that distinguished him from me. That is why he was so confident. He was trying to shake off Elijah because what he was about to experience was something to be unique to him alone. But Elijah was so determined. And I thank God for that kind of attitude in Elijah because From that time on, life was never the same for Elisha. He witnessed what it meant for a man to walk closely, closely, and in the presence of God. He witnessed it with his own eyes. The other prophets had the same sense, but they were not keen to move closer. They wanted to see it from afar. This man decided I will be as close as I can. Unfortunately, his relationship had not cultivated to that point. So he was left behind. I hope our lives will will graduate from the Elisha type of life to Elijah type of life. Where now when the separation comes, we are the ones being picked up in the wild winds. Praise the Lord. As we share on this subject, there are seven things that I want us to point out. And this, I draw them from our monthly lesson. They have been generated just basically from a few verses that I read of the monthly Bible study that we are carrying out as a church. And that is the couple, Adam and Eve. It's interesting. There are many things you can learn, many, but one thing stood out for me, and that is what I want to share with the church, and that is the presence of God. Now, in Psalms 139, in Psalms 139, uh, Psalms 139, we read something interesting. Uh, We can read from five to 12, but I want to specifically, because of time, to zero in on verse seven and eight. Verse seven and eight, the Bible says, whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Verse nine, if I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. This is a man who has begun to realize what it means to walk in the presence of God. It is true. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. And all of us delight in that fact that it doesn't matter where I am, I can call upon God, and you can hear. And that's true. That's true. And everybody knows about it. Elijah knew about it. Elisha knew about it. Enoch knew about it. And those who were around Enoch also knew about it. But the difference, the distinguishing difference between these people is that in the case of Enoch, He engaged God. He wanted the presence of God to be with him. He didn't just want to know God was everywhere, but he wanted to have the experience of God's presence in his own life, in his own life. So it is also good for us to know God is everywhere, but what difference does it make to you as an individual, that knowledge of God being omnipresent? We must graduate from that to God's presence. That is why Moses was saying, we shall not move unless your presence is with us. These are men have discovered what it means for God's presence, for one to operate in God's presence and God's presence to operate in one's life. There's a distinction because you can be a man swimming in, in the sea, You are in the middle of the sea, but you will die of thirst. So much water around you, but you will die of thirst. You may be somewhere where there's abundance of whatever you need, but unless you understand where you are and your relationship to whatever you need, it is possible for you to suffer want of the same if you don't take the right measures. So this is the thing that I wanted us just to reflect over. That this God cannot be contained by the heavens. Neither can he be contained here on earth. That's 1 Kings 8.27. 1 Kings 8.27 alludes to that fact. The heavens cannot contain him. He's all over. But for him to make a difference in Kenneth's life, for him to make a difference in your life, you must graduate from that general knowledge to the individualized knowledge of knowing God's presence in your life. That presence then translates the circumstances in which you are. They cause things to work for your good. Praise the Lord. We are all comfortable with that fact that God is everywhere, but it doesn't help us unless we begin to take decisive decision and measures to experience it at a personal level. Mark 5, Mark uh, 517, let's look at this. Maybe we can start with Mark chapter 1 as we progress. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Mark chapter 1, verse 29, it says, and forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they are entered into the house, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife, mother, lay sick of a fever. And and, not, and they, they tell him of her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. And if you go down there, it says, and at even when the son did set, they brought unto him all that were deceased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devil to speak, because they knew him. Then we go to five twelve. Mark 5, verse 12 says, and all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. This is the, when, God, when Christ was driving the demons from the man who was possessed. And then uh, 17, verse 17, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Now, on all, this, on all these occasions, if you read 12 onwards, you can see a man who is in big problem and is being set free. Does it mean that previously God's presence was not there? No, but now the presence of God is coming to him and it makes a difference in his life at that instant. Peter's mother, they knew Jesus Christ and they knew God was everywhere But it's until the presence of Christ was right at her door that she began to experience that change in her life. And it is true, Christ was mingling with so many people around. Many of them probably were candidates of being being set free from demonic oppression, uh, 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 the oppression of the, the demons. But then it is at this moment, it is at this moment, that their faith now has risen to a point of accepting the presence of Christ, that something begins to take place in their life. And that also goes to many other experiences. The woman with the issue of blood, she was in the crowd of many people. And these people were in the presence of God. But the presence of God they did want to engage that presence in a deliberate way to change their destiny. The woman chose to do so. She said, if only I touch the hem of his garment. So she went forth and touched. That made the difference. So what we are talking about here now is people can decide to know God's presence, to have so much knowledge about it, but unless, they begin to engage God and to understand that his presence can make a difference in their lives. Then it amounts to nothing. It amounts to nothing at all. Many have experiences, but Miles had the same experience. It is good for us as a church. It is good for us as the bread of life to know God's presence is in the church. But, Kenneth, do you know God's presence, you, as a person? Have you experienced God's presence as a person, as an individual? Have you distinguished yourself from the rest of the people in the bread of life and known God that his presence can make a difference in your life? That is the question that you need to be asking yourself today, that God's presence may be everywhere but what difference does it make in my own life? What difference does it make in my own life? The second thing, it was God's intention, and it is, it remains, that's one thing that I learned from our, this month's lesson, that one of God's intentions, there may be many, God may have revealed to you others, but for me, I picked out one thing, that it was God's intention, always, that uh, man experiences his presence every time. That was God's. Let's look at Genesis 3, 8. Genesis 3, 8. Now see, If you realize from Genesis, from the time of creation, God is very active. And when he creates man, he begins to engage them very actively, giving them various assignments and and so forth. In chapter three, then something bad happens, but verse eight of chapter three reveals something to us and says, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So it gives me the impression God wanted his presence always close to these people. He wanted his presence to abide with Adam every time. That's why he used to visit him in the cool of the day when Adam is relaxed, when Adam and Eva are walking around, God would come and fellowship with them. However, on this occasion, on this occasion, something terrible had happened. Hmm? They had his footsteps, they had his presence approach them and they were shy, they moved away. But what I deduce from there is that God, it's not that God was not aware of what had happened, but because it was his, determination and commitment and intention to always commune with these people, always be with Adam and Eve. He kept to his promise and he came on this day. However, things were not the same. Eden was not just a home for Adam and Eve, it was also God's sanctuary. That's where he loved being, engaging with his own creation. He liked communing, with his own creation. It was always God's desire and plan. I wrote here, it was God's desire and plan for his presence to dwell with man. Why do we say so? Because if you turn to Revelations 21, verse one, you see him also crowning creation with that dwelling with man, dwelling with man. In Revelations 21, verse one to four, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. How clear can it be that God desired from the very beginning, he had, it has been his intention that his presence dwells with us. We abide in his presence and that has got many reasons. There are many reasons why God wants it to be so. We see that these people, God has been communing with them, chapter two, he has been with them all through. And in chapter three, as it starts, it seems these people decided to move away a bit. They did not follow God wherever he was. And that is why in verse eight, is talking of God coming towards them again because they disengaged his presence. When they moved away from the presence of God, then the devil got an opportunity. No wonder the Bible tells us, let it not be our habit to avoid the gathering of brethren. Because in that presence, in the, the midst of that gathering, God's presence is there. One person will give a son, another one will give a word of prophecy, another one will give a word of knowledge. And in so doing, we are edifying one another. And that makes us safe from the enemy. It's our protection in itself, being in the presence of God, being in the presence of God. Praise the Lord. Sometime back when we were growing up, uh, there were some very rude boys. And I used to walk quite a distance to my primary school. And there were some places where you would pass, you'd find very young boys, smaller than you. They sometimes want to throw stones at you and even come and tell you very bad things. The reason why they were doing that is because their bigger brothers were sitting somewhere around. And of course you would look at the bigger brothers and you know, if I if I uh, raised my voice, they will engage me and things will not be good. So somehow you'd walk away like a very well behaved boy, but deep inside you are sitting with a lot of anger. Because you would feel, if I got this small boy somewhere alone, I would show them one or two things on how not to engage a serious man like me. But that was then. So, when these young boys were in the presence of their brothers, they were not scared. They would tell you anything they felt like. They would do anything because they knew there was a backup. But away from their brothers, they would be the best behaved wanting to assist you in every way because the protection was not there. They were ready to compromise with whoever they looked at as an enemy because the protection was not there. I am saying, learn to stay in the presence of God. Let us commit ourselves to drawing closer and closer into the presence of God because there is protection, there is security in his presence, there is always security in the presence of the living God, and it will always ensure that no harm befalls us. Besides, there are other benefits also. The third thing that I want to share with us is about the mission. Each one of us has a mission. We've been given a mission, but this mission cannot reach fruition unless we are in the presence of God. It cannot reach its full fusion, unless we are in the presence of God. Genesis 1, Genesis 1:28. The Bible says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fall of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Unfortunately, unfortunately many Christians from Africa, many Christians from many other parts of the world, the only passage in the Bible they follow without deviation is the first part of this verse. Hmm? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And even over fish, they don't want to have dominion. Over the fall, they don't want to have, they just want to replenish and fulfill the world. But I thank God for that. Hallelujah. It's good that we have followed that. Then let us move further in the next step. What am I talking about here? God is giving Adam a mission. He's giving him a mission. And he's telling him, in this, in my presence here, you are going to be fruitful. In my presence in this Eden, in this sanctuary, you shall multiply. You shall have dominion over all these forces. The powers of darkness that hover in the air, the powers of darkness that are under the sea, the powers of darkness that creep on the land, you will be an overcomer for as long as you are in my presence. So the presence of God gives us a mission and for us to fulfill that mission we must remain in that presence and that is why God was going and was determined to see these people accomplish the mission there in the sanctuary all he wanted is that issue of obedience that our brother was talking about earlier obedience to God praise the Lord this presence was to expand to the rest of the world. Psalm 72 8. Psalm 72 8. Uh, Psalm 72 8 talks of dominion. For the sake of time, I'll paraphrase. You can refer to it dominion from the sea to the end of the earth. It's telling those people they will dominate from the sea from the, this, up to the end of the earth, they are going to dominate. Isaiah 11:9, the earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The domination, the aspect of domination, God is still talking about it. This knowledge was not just to go over the earth mysteriously, it was to go by way of us evangelizing, us speaking. The missions that we have to speak the word of truth, and to share it to the nations. Acts 1.8, the Bible says we shall be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Somalia, and the rest of the world. We are being made men of mission, men and women of mission, but that will be accomplished only in his presence. Number four, sin undermines God's presence in our mission. Now, the mission that we have in God's presence can be accomplished and God is determined to see it being accomplished. As he has said, I'll be with you all the way until the close of the age. He is willing to be with us. However, we must be obedient and remain faithful to his word. Genesis 3, 6, 3 6, it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with, with her and he did eat. Now, from that time on, things changed. Things changed completely. But it's important for us to know the same opportunity that Adam had, the same opportunity that Adam had, the same opportunity that Eve had is being presented to each one of us each day. No need of complaining about Eve. No need of complaining about Adam. It is now to ask ourselves, are we making the same mistake our forefathers made? Are we going the same way, the, the same the slippery way they took? Or are we deciding we don't want to hover away from the presence of God? For I do not know what will befall me. I want to be in the presence of God. There I know he will secure my, my life. He will secure my faith. He will secure my salvation. I want to be in the presence of God. And I want his presence to be with me. That's why the Bible says, I stand at the door of your heart and know. If any man, if any man, you can say I am the man. I am the man who will open my door. If any man opens his door, then his heart, the Lord will come in and dwell with him. So his presence will be deep within us and we will be in him. So there will be no distinction between us and God. We are in him and he is in us. So the whole mix is complicated for the devil. He cannot understand whom he can attack because the devil cannot attack Christ. He wants to attack us. But if we are mixed up with God, he's inside us and we are inside him, The devil cannot distinguish who to attack. He knows the consequences of trying to launch an attack to to the son of God. He knows. He knows the consequences. He cannot. That's why he says, leave me alone. My time has not reached. Don't come. Our time has not reached. That's the cry of the demons. They don't want to have an interaction with him. So it is safer to hide in the presence of God, to be inside him. And him inside us, then we we get rid of sin from us. Now, these men are falling because of this mistake. They have moved away from the presence of God. Now, sin has a way of creeping close to them, encroaching into their lives, knocking on their door because they are away from God. I speak to us all. It is very possible that we come to church. We do everything, but so easily can the devil cause us to be disengaged. Just like the children I was talking about, who switch on the cameras. Yes, the impression is that they're attending the class, but deep within, they know they're not there. And even if the master calls, the answer is not cause forthcoming because they cannot hear him. We can be so distracted in such a way that the presence of God moves away from us, and so we become disengaged. Let us not be of the same. Adam begins to perspire in order to fulfill the mission he was given. This was not to be so. Eve begins to endure pain in order to fulfill the mission he was given, to go and fill and subdue the earth. But through pain, that was not supposed to be so. Maybe this is an explanation to us. Is it true that probably what we have been enduring is because we are far away from the presence of God? Is it true that probably our miseries have been as a result of us walking a little bit far away from the presence of God? It's a question to ask ourselves and interrogate our lives and probably God will shine the light upon us and we'll be able to see what it is. Five. God's covenant of presence. I want us also to understand that God's commitment to be present with us is one hinged or based on a covenant. It's not just something being thrown there. It is a covenant that God has set in place for us. Genesis 17:7, 7. quickly, Genesis 17:7, 7. we see something happening, let's read. Maybe we start from six. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. This is God making a covenant with Adam. Sorry, with with Abraham. He's making a covenant with Abraham at this point. Many years after Adam, he's still committed to that presence. He wants to be a God. He wants to be present in the life of of, of Abraham at this point. Just like he was committed to Adam, he's committed to Abraham, he's committed to you and to me that his presence be in us. That is what we need to understand, that this commitment God has is based on a covenant. Did you know that God has a covenant with you? Did you have the understanding that your salvation was not just something that was passing by, it's by covenant? Something binding God to you so tightly and you need to bind yourself to him because that is what will guarantee your success in your mission. Exodus 6, 7. Exodus 6, 7, let's see. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Once God becomes your God, he is present in you. He will deliver you. He's a God who delivers and redeems. He will set you free from whatever oppression that you are going through. Okay? Exodus 29, 45. Exodus 29, 45 says, And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. And I will dwell among the children of bread of life, and I will be their God. And I'll dwell among the children of Canaan and I'll be their God." You can speak those things into your life. God is ready to be a God to you, to your family, to the church, to this congregation, and to the whole body of Christ around. That is his commitment. He has purpose in his life. Do so. As we saw in Revelation 21, verse 3, the tabernacle of God is with men. He brings his tabernacle, his dwelling place, to be with men because he knows when his presence is there, it is perfect for them. Remember the children of Israel, the pillar of fire and the cloud, the the cloud that was hovering over them. That signified his presence. It gives you confidence also, if you know God's presence is with you, it makes you pursue your mission, your goals, with confidence because you know God is in need because his presence is there with you. Praise the Lord. See, our time is running. Six, uh, the sixth thing, God's purpose is fully accomplished in his presence. We cannot accomplish God's purpose outside his presence. It can only be accomplished in his presence. That is why it is good to be with him. It is good to be with him, to be in his presence and to abide in his presence. Because there is no way you can abide in his presence and his presence be away from you. Because you are first of all identified his presence. So it is there, and it's there with you. Then he will make you successful, accomplish your purpose. First Corinthians three sixteen seventeen. 17, ye are the temple of God. Ye are the temple of God. If His tabernacle, If you are the tabernacle of God, if you're the temple of God, then his presence will abide in you. But if you cease to be the temple of God, his presence will not be in you. Then he cautions us in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 17, not to be unequally yoked with those who are not of this faith, not to be unequally yoked with those who are not of this faith. That means, If we allow another foreign body to come in this mix, then the presence of God parts ways with us. The presence of God departs. And if the presence of God departs, then we are subdued. We are now exposed to the attacks of the enemy, no matter how strong we were before. No matter how strong we were before. When Samson allowed himself to be exposed. He, he led the presence of God part. He was subdued. He was subdued. The children of Israel, they faced the small tribe, I, And because they committed some sin, they compromised themselves, they exposed themselves. The presence of God parted. He does not dwell where sin is that is why it is important to keep ourselves pure in accordance with the theme of this year, be holy for I am holy. That's what the word says. Then you invite the presence of God in your life. And finally, I'd like us just to, to say, his presence is fully expressed in Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's something we have always said from our early childhood. We must must allow God to, I mean, Christ to be manifested in us. Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. He, He crowned the whole thing by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to confirm to us. This has been my purpose, that my presence dwell with you all through your life. So I have sent my son to be with you, to abide in your midst, so that you are always with him and he's always with you. And Christ himself said, "Lo, I'll be with you until the close of the age. That's what he said. He was promising to be with us all through our lives. And that is why he sent his son to be with us. He humbled himself to the level of man. He didn't have to, but because he wanted his presence to be with us, he went, allowed himself to be crucified by men like us. He created, he didn't have to, but because of the love and the knowledge, the understanding that his presence must abide in men, when they acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, that is what caused, compelled Christ to allow himself to come because he knew the secret of his presence in your life and in my life. He came to reconcile us. I want us just to thank God as uh, I hand over the meeting, Pastor. Father, we thank you this afternoon. We give you praise and honor. Lord, as we seek to be in your presence, May your name be glorified. Be you honored in our lives and in our mission on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor.